before we begin this episode, I just want to let you know that there is sexual assault mentioned briefly in this episode. Please remember to take care of your well-being and protect yourself as you see fit. Hello, hello, and welcome to the HEA Book Club, where we read romance with friends. I am Summer O'Toole. Hello, I'm Kelsey, otherwise known as Best Friend Kelsey. Before we dive into the episode, which you guys are going to love, I just want to let you know that we're going to be talking about an awesome, awesome giveaway at the end of the episode and how to enter. We're going to be giving away things like Kindles, Audible subscription, Kindle Unlimited subscription, signed paperbacks. So definitely stick around to the end where we talk about how you could enter for a chance to win some of those amazing prizes. So Weekly Hots, let's just get right into it. I knew we were talking a little bit before we started recording, but yeah, you, you, go first. you go first. Okay. I've had quite the start of the new year. I broke my foot and I caught COVID all in one fell swoop. (laughs) I have been homebound for a couple weeks. So not a whole lot of spicy things are happening. So as I've spoken about in the past and as I'm about to speak about, my weekly hot is when somebody does something awesome. So Mr. EMT, this week he brought me groceries. I'm bedridden. I'm broken. I'm stuck, right? (laughs) Like, I don't have a better way to put it. I am absolutely immobile. And he hits me up and he's like, you need groceries. And I was like, yes, I do. How did you, how did you know this? Right. Oh my God. Wait, he, yeah. He initiated it. Yeah. He's the one who initiated. He's like, how are you getting your food? Where's your nutrients coming from? And I was like, that's a great question because I am out of food. (laughs) (laughs) So I gave him a list. He was super sweet. He even sent me pictures from the grocery store when stuff was missing, like 10 out of 10. Find a guy to buy you groceries. We love so Mr. EMT. Speaking of Mr. EMT, did he have COVID? To be determined. It's taken like five days to get his test results. Ooh. Yeah, probably well, that. Even if he does have it, like by the time he gets test results back, you guys will both be non-contagious again and can hang out anyways. Yeah. You know, I've been thinking about that <laughs> quite quite a lot. I was like this weekend, his, his COVID time would have been up whether or not he has his test results and mine will have definitely been up. Yeah. So maybe, maybe I'll have something a little bit spicier to share next week. <laughs> Though it would have been nice if you had some COVID commisery while you were home alone on one foot. I am not so secretly wishing that that was the case because there were some lonely nights. Oh. <laughs> Why are you laughing so hard at that? Because I don't think I should have phrased it in that way. Lonely nights makes me picture that I'm like waiting for someone to come back from war. I'm sitting in front of a fireplace, <laughs> reading a little book that I've read 50 times. Like I wasn't waiting for my soldier to come home. So oh I just, <laughs> that's what I picture when I say lonely nights. Okay, so I just pictured, you know, you watching TV on your couch by yourself <laughs> or something. But then you started laughing and I was like, Oh my God, is she referring to something else? And then I thought that you were, you know, entertaining yourself solo on your lonely nights. And I was like, we're going there apparently. Oh, I'm tearing up over here. (laughs) Okay, that was my weekly hot. I think we have thoroughly discussed it. Hit Hit me with yours. So my weekly hot is from The Blacklist which is a TV Ooh. show that I've been re-watching. And one of the characters in the show is like a covert operative, but you first meet him as the main character's husband. And he's been like deep cover, but he's the, you know, like perfect husband. He 
is a school elementary school teacher is very sweet you know like that's the role that he was playing so Mm -hmm. that's basically all we know him as and then he gets his cover gets exposed so then you kind of learn this other side of him but those are like the only two sides that we've seen and most recent episode that I just watched he goes back undercover with this German gang and totally transforms from a four eyes elementary school teacher to the hottest baddest boy of all time and it was just a you know they would do like montages you know like Mm -hmm. the transformation and I was like I need to write a book about this man (laughs) I feel like there's a few educators that we've met on TikTok met as in we've just watched their content who are the bad boy educators who you would think that they'd be undercover with their sleeves of that tattoos and they're like I don't know, not like modern dressing, but you know, metropolitan. Yeah. I think that's what I'm looking for. Just like very clean cut. Those are the educators that girls and guys swoon over when they're in the classroom. That's what I thought. There was, I forget the name of the TikToker, but it was some guy who was probably around our age and very, very teacher. What? I think it's a math teacher, right? The math yeah. Teacher. <laughs> Yes. Oh, goodness. And I, and I just kept thinking, like, I hope this guy is teaching elementary school because, <laughs> like, anything above that, the girls are just, or the guys, like, can you imagine going through puberty, all your hormones are going crazy, and then you have, like, this hot ass teacher? No, because my teachers were ugly and I was still distracted. <laughs> I should not say ugly. They were not my taste because they were the taste of some others, but they were never mine. <laughs> they were old. Yeah, they were. This is why they were not my taste. Who were the t- who were they the tastes of? Oh, I don't know. There's always kids who like pull up the jokes, who are like, oh, I wonder what they're like naked. I wonder if they were wearing something <laughs> a little bit tighter. You know, there's always those people who decide to go down that path of thinking. That was me. <laughs> <laughs> we'll bleep out the name, but do you remember? Yeah. Okay, so for those listening was a math teacher was the photography teacher both of them were like very eccentric very goofy she knit all her own clothes and anytime she was wearing like a new sweater vest somebody would ask her if she made it and she would say yes I make all of my sweaters if I'm wearing something knitted I knitted it (laughs) (laughs) for when we were learning about box and whisker charts she brought in actual whiskers from her cats who fun fact her cats or yarn models. I'm wondering what kind of secret life she was in with her knitting and yarn. Yeah, so that's that's what my thought process was. We would always be like, yo, either they're like lights off, showering before and after under <laughs> the covers, or it's just unspeakably yeah. freaky things. <laughs> I mean, whatever floats their boat. So we're doing Hades and Persephone retellings. We're going to be talking about three different books today. All across the spectrum, we wanted to start with kind of just talking about what the Hades and Persephone myth is. So I did a little research on my own. Kelsey, I think, did a little research too. So yes. neither of us are myth experts unless you count Radiant Percy Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> I was just, you took the words out of my mouth because we are both Percy Jackson aficionados, but nothing I can't compare to you on that one. My, my first fictional boyfriend. Oh, yeah, not me waiting, like, five books for Annabelle and Percy to, <laughs> to have, like, one kiss at the end of the book. I mean, tell me it wasn't the same for, like, Harry Potter, though. 
And then just all of a sudden they were just like snogging in the home room or whatever. And I was like, whoa, where did this come from? Like, tell me more, JK Rowling. Get into the details. I don't know anything. Hades and Persephone. Fun fact, which I did not know, is that Persephone wasn't named Persephone until she was kidnapped by Hades. So she was the daughter of Demeter, who is like the goddess of the harvest. And I think one of the big 12 main Olympic gods. Aren't there 13? There is 13, but after reading Neon Gods, I've gone 12 in my head. There's 13. So she's one of like the main OG gods. She has a daughter, something, I forget her name, before she was Persephone. Hades thinks that she's super cute, so decides to kidnap her while she's frolicking one day in her flowers. She goes down to, and I'm pretty sure Zeus gave permission for them to get married but was like oh you have to kidnap her mm-hmm. <laughs> like you gotta take her like she's not just gonna go to you but then persephone i think actually means goddess of death or death bringer in some different yep. translations which i didn't know but was very fascinating and she then she spends a quarter of her year in earth which is when springtime happens and everything dies when she goes back but she also in a lot of different myths was one of the most the way myths were written about her she was one of the most feared slash respected out of fear goddesses as her role of goddess of the underworld which kind of was interesting then reading these retellings because instead of just thinking of oh like the sweet carefree goddess of springtime and flowers which I'd thought previously it kind of puts the characters in a new light that they're actually pretty badass comparatively to her previous persona or personality and then with retellings it's interesting because we don't really know much about their relationship as husband and wife we kind of just know the beginning she gets kidnapped she eats a pomegranate so she gets stuck down there but that gives way for a lot of creative liberties for these retellings because we don't actually know what their marriage was like we don't want to know whether it's good or bad or what the details were like so I will say though that in these retellings which I love. I've read so many different retellings along this trope, along this theme. The first time that we've really gotten into their marriage was within Neon Gods, which is one of the books that we read this week. And I love that. But I also love the theme of their marriage. Okay, we'll get into that in a minute. I want to fill in some of your holes. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Summer. Why are you doing this to me tonight? I don't have You said it. <laughs> oh, I feel like because I laugh silently, there's just all these times where Summer and I were staring at each other. We're cracking up and Summer's just laughing by herself. And I'm just over here, the silent laughter. And you guys are just like, what's happening? Like, okay, let me complete some of the holes in the story. <laughs> gaps, gaps. You're going to fill the gaps. <laughs> Okay, let me let me fill in some gaps. Yeah? Thank you. Thank you. Okay, okay so Persephone's name was Kor. K-O-R-E. At least that's how I pronounce it. Kore. Okay. Summer's a lot better with pronunciations than I, I, I think I just remembered somebody saying that. I just read things once and then I'm like, well, that's how I'm gonna say it the rest of my life. Just like that. <laughs> so Kore was her original name and it was bringer of death. At least that's how it was like brought, like bringer of death and destruction is my understanding of the translations. And then it turns into Persephone, which is, you know, bring like sunshine goddess, bringer of spring. But it's like a half and half. She has both of those names. 
And she also has the name Persephone sometimes in some stories or some of these myths before she even marries Hades. Mm. So it's like real confusing. And then when it comes to her getting kidnapped, there's one story where Zeus helps and like splits the ground in half and then she falls into the underworld. And then there's another one where it's like Demeter was there and she helped split the ground in half and like she fell into the end of the world. But I mean, like that's a myth, right? We never really know what the, I was about to say what the true story is, but it's a myth. There's going to be so many different versions of it. It's not an actual historical event. But as you said, that gives us so many different wild rides when authors decide to take hold of this trope and just run with it. I'll go ahead and start with Promises and Pomegranates, which is by Sav R. Miller. It's a dark mafia retelling. And the characters, interesting enough, are not named Hades or Persephone. Cal Anderson and Elena... Richie. And I have not finished it, so this definitely won't be giving any spoilers away. So in the beginning of the book, Cal is a hitman for the Richie family, the Italian mafia in Boston. He is also a doctor and he is presenting himself, it's dual POV, as like very, very cold, very calculated, detached from feelings. You know, that 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 typical assassin persona where they're ice cold and they don't care about anything then elena previously before like the book starts had asked cal to take her virginity because she was going to be marrying somebody named mateo which was an arranged marriage since like before she was conceived was mateo like the like zeus or was mateo no. just okay no just he was just a son of another powerful family okay cool so the book starts with Cal and Rafe Richie having a conversation, which is the father. And it's a video that Cal was sent of Persephone. I'm just going to say Persephone and Hades because that will keep the characters more cohesive. It's going to help my brain. So yeah. please. <laughs> <laughs> a video that somebody had secretly recorded in Persephone's bedroom the first time that they slept together. It was... A wild ride and he ended up carving a k into her leg so that's kind of how it starts hades basically is like okay somebody's threatening us only i can protect her i'm gonna marry her and he ends up killing mateo to kind of block both of them into the situation and he is alluding to the fact that it's actually part of a grander scheme that he has some ulterior motive why he wants to marry persephone something about his long-lost sister and you're kind of just getting bits and pieces as it goes once they get married he takes her away to this small island outside of boston where he's a rich investor who owns most of it there's a lot of very direct metaphors so he calls elena his little persephone she's planting gardens their house on this island used to be a hotel called the affodil i think which is part of the underworld So there's a lot of very direct references because he is a hitman. She refers to him a lot as the Dark King or God of the Underworld. And she has this, they both have a really, really strong, like, lustful connection. But she also has looked up to him for her whole life as kind of this fascinating, mysterious character that was, like, part of their family. And she never really liked Mateo, so she's not too bothered (laughs) that he got killed. The point I'm at in the book so far, they're continuing to get blackmailed, but there hasn't been any demands made, which is interesting. And they include videos of them 
in their house on the island. Obviously, the island kind of represents the underworld. And you find out that his long-lost sister and the reason why he needed to marry Persephone was because his dad's grandfather was very rich and was going to leave him all this money, but he has to be married in order to accept it. And he wants it so that he can give it to his sister, who is his half-sister on his dad's side. His dad got his mom pregnant with like a one-night stand, but he was already married and already had kids and like family. So he basically ignored his existence his whole life. But his grandfather ended up leaving him all this money and for some reason leaving out the grandkids that he actually like knew and raised. It's kind of confusing. And that was one of my one of my holdups with the book was that from the very beginning, he is presented as a very cold, detached, like of his own admission, he, you know, doesn't really feel things. He only feels things with Persephone. Yet his whole grand plot is to so that he can reconnect with his half-sister who doesn't want anything to do with him because he's part of the mafia. Okay. He doesn't seem like somebody who'd care about that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm, I'm wondering how this is going to come full circle once you finish the book. It's a good setup so far. I like the analogies. Super spicy. They definitely yeah. have a great chemistry and I enjoy the writing. It can be sometimes almost too heavy in metaphors that you're like, wait, is this actually happening? <laughs> this is a metaphor. But they have great chemistry, which I've been really enjoying. I'm excited to see how it all turns around. Since the beginning, they keep kind of dropping little hints about what's going on. Like in his narration, he'll say, oh, but my marriage to Persephone is just part of a greater scheme. And then you find out about the sister and you find out about his father. So things are slowly being like dripped out. Mm-hmm. But the way that it was done sometimes made me think that or made me feel that I wasn't getting the full picture like I was missing something which I think is different than not knowing that something's there mm-hmm. Does that make sense? like if somebody yeah. gets a picture that was cut in half with scissors and there's a flat edge you might think oh this is the whole picture even though there's stuff missing that you don't know so then later when you get the full picture you're like oh okay wow this all fits together but this is like somebody tore a picture in half so I know something's missing. With your torn picture, yeah. how would you rate the book so far? So far, I would say maybe a 6 out of 10. I'm giving it on the higher end because I think with the blackmailing and the mafia and all that, there are going to be some plot twists at the end that I'm waiting for. Do you feel like at this point you could rate the steamy scale? Like how many spices? Yeah, yeah. Okay, hit me with it. Def- definitely a 5 out of 5 spice. <gasps> Whoa! Yeah. The spice is very, very well written. So, and because it's frequent, you want to make sure that that's, that, that part is enjoyable. So that's why I would give it a six out of 10. Okay, solid. I'm curious when we check back in, what it's going to be. Let me get my favorite quotes. Ooh, this is one of my favorite parts. I feel like a quote can tell you so much about what you're going to get into. Yes, definitely. And I actually have three because... I couldn't pick. (laughs) All right. I'm ready for it. So this is from Hades perspective. All the ways I'd worship her tight, perfect body if given the chance. How I'd drag her to the depths of hell, but convince her she'd gone to heaven, using my tongue to write wordless poetry on her sensitive, swollen flesh. Damn. If someone ever said that to me, (laughs) I think I'd just pass out. I mean, you're going to use your tongue to write sensitive poetry? (laughs) On my swollen flesh. Like, I just can't even. Keep going. These are great. 
And we have some more religious metaphor or imagery. Again, Hades' perspective. I don't know how, but every time our lips meet, she tastes fucking divine, like a holy scripture written to absolve me of my sins, something sweet and succulent, entirely too pure for her own good. Okay. I feel like that gives me some, like, good, like, not only his devotion, mm-hmm. and, like, how much he's falling in love with her, but also just, like, general, this is what the book is about. And I like quotes like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It also, I think, is a good example of the writing where it's can be very like beautiful and invoke a lot of imagery but isn't necessarily very literal and sometimes you get a little confused (laughs) (laughs) yeah and then lastly this is now from persephone's perspective willing to do whatever it takes to keep this man looking at me like i hung the stars in the sky with my bare hands maybe for a man so used to the dark of night that's exactly what i did i don't even i wish you guys could see my face I don't even know how to convey. There's a lot of emotions. There's yeah. a lot of positive emotions in response to that quote. <laughs> like I'm picturing the emoji with like those eyes that are like the puppy dog eyes. Yeah. That's what my face just did. I just want you guys to know that. <laughs> okay. So six out of 10. Six out of 10. Uh, Has potential to go up, I would say. Dang. Okay. Yeah. We'll check back in next week when I finish it. I'm excited. My book? Yes. So this is exciting, guys, because this is the first time that we've done a book that's a web comic, that's like a visual novel. And I was already reading this. So when Summer brought up the idea of, oh, let's do Hades and Persephone, I was like, hold on. I'm already in this trope and I'm in it. (laughs) I've been in it for like two years. Mm -hmm. And it turns out that now it's a book, which is even better. But I have been inhaling as soon as the episodes come out, because every week a new episode comes out or like a new chapter. Mm-hmm. on this app called webtoons i think you can also get it online but then if you don't like that you can also just buy the book on amazon because that's exciting too anyway so webtoons lore olympus not the olympics we are not racing we are we are back in the in the mythology lore olympus i love this series because every week there is a new twist and turn it gets into every single one of the 13 gods and the demigods and the everyone else, all the children, but focusing on Hades and Persephone and also how I want to say that it sticks more to a modern telling of what would happen if all of the events of Hades Persephone happened today. There's lawyers. There's the fact that like Persephone got really mad, turned into the bringer of death and destroyed a whole village. And now she has to like, I don't know, deal with her crimes. And at the whole time she is staying in Hades protection in the underworld, even though her mom is so pissed about that. Her mom is like, get out of there. You should not be with the god of death. You are the goddess of spring. You know, just like that. Like, she's like, I got other plans with you. There's always a meddling mother. Yeah. So the artistry of this, I myself am an artist. So like seeing the art come through every single week, seeing the storytelling come through, there's a lot of heavy topics and the author puts in trigger warnings when those heavy topics come. I appreciate that as well. I feel like I'm doing a poor job describing this because I'm simply so excited about how beautifully it's written. It's about Hades. It's about Persephone. They love each other. They're falling in love with each other. It's part of the story is part of that. And it's like their trials as they build their life together. Are they actual gods or are they humans with odd names? Great question. They are actual gods. It's a point where Persephone gets super mad and turns someone into a plant. Like, they're full-on god and goddess. Oh, nymph, nymph, right? 
Yeah, she turns mint into a plant because she's so mad at her. And that's where we get mint. Yes. <laughs> okay, so you're tracking. This is good because I'm not. <laughs> I love it. If you've ever been someone who's semi-interested in like a visual novel, I would say pick it up. And if you, even if you just enjoy the Hades Persephone personas and that pathway, I'd say pick it up as well. It's ongoing. It's episodic. So mm-hmm. it's not like there's one plot you can explain. Exactly. So. And with that as well, it's, it's exciting because it's broken up into such little chunks that it's not like you're overwhelmed by reading it all at once. Yeah. It's uncharted territory. Absolutely. The cool thing about Webtoons is I know that these authors already have their plants in place, but like all of a sudden webtoon comics like hundreds of thousands of comics will be like we stand these characters we don't like (laughs) character needs you know a rebuttal or like you know we really love this character arc yeah like you can see when these authors take that into consideration Mm. so it's not like my comments are writing the book but at the same time if enough comments are saying a certain thing you can feel the twist of the story going along that direction and that's a thing to be a part of yeah definitely that's like when people will add an extra book to a series that they maybe weren't planning on writing because people wanted a side character to have a story. I am so with you on that. Okay, so considering that it's an ongoing series, I'm going to have to rate it a 10 out of 10. I was going to rate it a 10 out of 10 anyways. (laughs) It's just, it's a 10 out of 10. There's such deep topics that are hit that sometimes I get triggered, but because of that, it also makes it that much stronger. It's not super sexy. On the spice scale, you got to realize that there's 11 and 10 year olds who could be having access to this. Mm. But with that in mind, the spice level is not super high, but they're romances. So maybe like a uh, like a two out of five, unfortunately. But there's That's enough true. alluded, like there's enough fade to black to make it appropriate for the general audience that I'm like, I know what's happening behind closed doors. Yeah. So overall, 10 out of 10, which I didn't think I was going to be getting ever in my life. <laughs> and so 10 out of 10 in general, and then two out of five on the spice level. Okay, awesome. I remember when you were telling me about it when we were starting to plan for this, and you got so excited. I'm still excited. I'm sweating. I'm so excited. <laughs> Let me just be perfectly honest with you, listener. I am sweating out of excitement right now. <laughs> Middle of winter. <laughs> okay. Should we talk about our next book? Neon Gods. I'm yeah. so excited. So Neon Gods by Katie Robert is based in the real world. There's a city called Olympus and they're humans, but there are 13 roles that are filled by these super powerful people and they get god names. So Demeter is the woman who before she was Demeter, she had another name. Now she's Demeter, only referred to as Demeter, and she controls all the food supply. So they have modern applications for the previous god roles. And the underworld is the other side of the city. And the other side of the city is ruled by Hades, but it's believed that Hades the last Hades because again they're people so they can die and then there's legacy roles like Zeus Poseidon and Hades where it's filled by the next generation so they believe that the last Hades and the Hades heir died in the fire and it's just a empty position the underworld has some bridges over the river Styx which do seem a little magical even though there's nothing else magical about the book would you agree with that? Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, There isn't a whole lot of magic happening, but this is yeah. obvious magic. Yeah, there is some very intense 
visceral thing that happens when you cross the bridge. So people aren't going back and forth. They're not commuting. It's two very separated communities. And Zeus knows that Hades is still alive. And they have a deal where neither of them, Zeus nor Hades, is allowed to go on the other one side. Persephone finds out that she is going to be married off to Zeus. And Zeus, the character, has a history of killing his wives. So she <laughs> she clearly does not want to be the next wife. So she runs away and she ends up in the underworld and in Hades' care. She d- didn't know that Hades was even alive. Now she finds out he's alive and he's there. He's a dark brooding. And she comes up with a plan to get out of her marriage to Zeus by... Defiling herself yeah. is the way that they phrase it in the book. Yeah. Defiling herself. So publicly coming out with Hades and they both agree that just saying that they're dating and like holding hands in public won't fly. They have to go the full Monty and really convince everybody, which comes in the form of sex parties that Hades happens to throw. So they have sex in front of different gods and people and important people that bring the news back to Zeus and basically fuck shit up. 100%. Is that where you're going to leave it or are you going to keep going? I'm going to leave it there because then the stuff starts getting complicated. And I don't really remember. <laughs> okay. Uh, like, I mean, like, I could tell the ending, right? Because I just finished this book yeah. yesterday. But I also really want to tell everyone listening to read this book immediately. Let's save the ending. Th- those are the important parts. Those are definitely the important parts. And I think something else to consider in this relationship is that Persephone is one of four daughters of, say her name again, Dimitri? Demeter? Demeter. Demeter. And it's one of those words that I've never said out loud. So one of the four daughters of Demeter, and she is the sunshine personality. She's always doing perfect things. She's always shopping. She's very materialistic because on the Zeus side of the river, it's a very materialistic, like shiny place compared to the Hades side of the river, which is filled with a lot of history and a lot of authentic interactions. So think like social media versus like a country bumpkin town. One side is really glitz and glam, but without depth. And then the other side has the stereotype or the like notion that it's run down and gross, but it's actually charming and authentic and quaint. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes Hades and Persephone go out from Hades' home and Persephone sees the richness of the city or of this side of the river mm-hmm. and the history and everything that goes with it. And it's a really beautiful aspect of their relationship. Mm-hmm. So Persephone is the untouchable goddess of sunshine is really what they describe her as. And then Hades is this mysterious, dark, doesn't even exist guy in the shadows. Mm -hmm. So having them all of a sudden cohabit in the same house was quite interesting. So I have two favorite quotes. Hit me. So the first one is from Persephone because this book goes back and forth on the two different perspectives. Hades is not safe. He's so far from safe. I should be rethinking this bargain before it's even begun. I can tell myself I have no choice, but it's not the truth. I want this with every shadowy part of my soul that I work so hard to keep locked down. There's no room in the public narrative of the sweet, sunny, biddable woman for the things I find myself craving in the dark of night. Things I'm suddenly sure Hades is capable of giving me. Oh, makes me want to reread it. You should. Yeah. Because that's a big part of it is that she has been shaped into this public persona of the good girl, perfect, sunny, always smiling, but, you know, she wants more. She's also desperate to get out of Olympus. 
she's been plotting to run away and go to college and kind of live a life because Olympus is a city in modern time, but it's very secluded and it kind of reminds me of of what? Of an island, like it's untouchable. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of in The Handmaid's Tale, you know how like wherever they live, it's technically America and there's stuff outside of that, but their world is so like barricaded and tightly controlled that it's as if life doesn't exist outside of that. I mean, even Divergent, there's so many books that are along that line. One of the things that I love about this character, about Persephone, is just to reread this part of the quote is, I want this with every shadowy part of my soul that I work so hard to keep locked down. Mm-hmm. There's so much in society today outside of books that like we are supposed to feel a certain way. We are supposed to want certain things in the bedroom and nothing else. Mm-hmm. And like that I know Summer and I try to break all the time is the stereotypes of you can only have vanilla sex. You can only have whatever kind of sex. Like, no, there's no kink shaming here. There's nothing of that sort. We all have our desires from wherever they come and they should be respected and upheld. Yeah. And that's something that I love about Persephone is how blatantly she talks about it, how upfront and she's like, this is what I want. And I know that it's maybe like, I don't fully understand it, but like, I trust you Hades to handle it with me. Yeah, And he's like, takes that and he's like, I want to, I want to support you. There's no moral scale to different sexual acts as long as they're between consenting adults. Yes. Can we quote that? That was beautiful. (laughs) It reminds me of that chapter in my book that you had just reread. Yes. There's, it, it was based off a conversation that we had and it's about wanting or enjoying rougher, more spicier sex and trying to rationalize that or let that coexist with what you have been taught you should like or should want. Especially after experiencing certain things that no one should experience. Yes. Finding pleasure after assault and learning how to appreciate different things in the bedroom consensually when previously you weren't given that choice. Absolutely. Having that conversation with Summer was truly eye-opening for me. Back to Persephone. (laughs) I feel like we could just look at each other with those puppy dog eyes again. Yeah. That going on. But okay, I have a quote from Hades now. Okay. Okay, okay. And I feel like this really sums up his view. He is a caretaker. He doesn't have like the hero role, but he is a caretaker of everyone in his city, his Mm -hmm. side of the city, along with Persephone. So the quote. If you can't be trusted to take care of your body, then I'm going to do it for you. Very simple, but he upholds the standard the entire time. Like she cuts up her feet in the beginning of the book and he's always bandaging them. She like forgets to eat and he's like, no, eat the whole thing. And he like puts out three platters of food in front of her. Like he's always taking care of both her physical needs and her mental needs. And that's a really beautiful character to see represented. Yeah, I really liked his character. Who's beautiful. Yeah. Because he had sort of that that initial sort of like off-putting dickish energy. But that was more of a defense mechanism. And the betrothed of my worst enemy just showed up on my doorstep. Yeah. Uh, not really knowing what to expect. But in a lot of romances, the like possessive alpha hole. Not that that's all there is to their personality. But that isn't necessarily a a shield for something deeper and softer. Usually that's their whole personality and identity. And the heroine 
kind of transforms them into something softer. And with Hades, he was always something softer and kinder underneath, but he had this defense mechanism, but it wasn't really his true self. I mean, like snaps. That was the best way to put it. (laughs) Do you have any quotes? This is from Hades' perspective. It would be so easy to fall into this woman and spend the rest of my night learning what I can do to draw those delicious whimpers from her lips, to memorize the taste and feel of her until I'm imprinted on her skin. So beautiful. We all deserve love like that. Do not settle for less. Listeners, please do not. He has like a throne that in his... um, Sex dungeon. Yeah, in his sex dungeon. And he's always the one in it. He is the king. He's the lord. Like, that's his throne. I'm so excited because I know where you're going with this. Yeah. Ah! Okay, Ah! read read it, read it, read it. And basically, he puts her on the throne and kneels between her feet and everyone's watching. And this is also anything that happens in this room is going to get back to Zeus and get back to everybody else in Olympus. So it's this is where they were supposed to put on a show the first time they went to the party to convince Zeus that, you know, she's been defiled. But now as their relationships progressed, he puts her on the throne. They're watching Hades of the 13 kneel at the feet of a woman sitting in his throne. I thought we were marking me as his and his alone, but this doesn't fit that plan. What are you doing? I whisper, paying tribute. Because right before this, because I just read this, I remember he literally is thinking about her as a goddess, about his goddess. And that's what he's paying tribute to. Beautiful. We are all goddesses. I'm really feeling the uh, the self-promoting love. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was such a good scene. Yeah, this is a really good book. And what's interesting is that I, when I first read it, I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it stood out to me as, oh my god, this is the best book ever. But now, since you're rereading it and I'm like remembering it, I really this was a really really good book. Okay, how would you rate it? Oh, I know. Oh. Maybe an eight out of ten. That's where I'm at too. I'm eight out of ten. I wanted it to be longer. I'm mad that it wasn't long. It's like 400 pages. And I'm still mad that it was not longer. <laughs> yeah. I think what some of my reserves were, maybe the back and forth of like what the outcome was going to be. I felt like it went back and forth a little too much on that, but maybe not. I actually thought their communication was really awesome. I know we talk about this, like I can't stand it when the communication is off. Yeah. Like we can only read so much about miscommunication. And throughout this yeah. whole book, there was consent, there was communication. Only at the end in the finale was there like a lack of communication, but it was she still wrote a note being like, This is what's happening, trust me. And they had built up their relationship to that point where like he was like, Okay, I don't know what's happening, but I will trust you. Oh my that god, I forgot. I honestly want to rate it like a 10 out of 10 just for communication, because that was all. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about how it ended. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about size. Not spoil. I would say like a four and a half. <gasps> Dang. I would <laughs> want it. I feel like it maybe should be a five because there's like exhibitionism. But I felt like it wasn't so frequent and often that I would expect from a five. I'm with you on that. I first rated it a three out of five. But then I was like, no, I got it up into a four out of five. Mm-hmm. But then as I sit here, I'm like, what makes a five out of five? You know? Because super frequent sex, if it's poorly written, yeah. is not a five out of five. Yeah. And we're going to get to a series in the future about called the Highest Bitter series. And throughout that, there was a ton of sex 
that was all over the board in terms of tastes and kinks. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that raises the level a little bit. Yeah. But also like I could sit here and love exhibitionism. Yeah. Did I, I think so. Right? I think so. I think so. <laughs> I could love being seen. Let's say it as that. I could love being seen while doing intimate acts. And for me, it could be a five out of five, but I haven't had a lot of experience with that. So for me, it's not a five out of five just because I'm not there. I feel like our fives out of fives are going to be like things that we like to do in our own lives because that's what we relate to. Oh, interesting. I've been thinking of it as more like objective. If it hits these criteria, it's this versus how much you enjoyed it. That's true. I have seen your criteria list and it's very thorough. But I feel like at the end, no, and I love that. I genuinely love that I'm usually a list person. I don't know. When it comes to this, I'm like, would I do this? Would I love this in my own bedroom yeah. or not in the bedroom? That's what's going to give it the five out of five. Sure. I'm curious what other people, listeners, if you've read yeah. Me on Gods, I'm curious what you would rate it as a spice. Because Katie Roberts is very notoriously like super spicy. She has a whole series of like taboo novellas with boyfriends, dads, and threesomes and all that good stuff so I think also maybe that was one of the reasons why I was expecting this to be wild like on fire kind of deal yeah well I mean they were on fire they talked about that enough (laughs) (laughs) what is next week I don't remember what next week is I'll be honest I don't remember either was it is it the series the highest bitter series (gasps) it's Highlander romances Oh, shoot. I can't wait. I cannot wait. Okay. I am so, so excited. We're going to be doing Highlander Romances. The book that I know I'm going to be reading, it's called Highland Gladiator. I don't think Kelsey's picked her book yet. And we're having Sarah from Outlander TikTok join us because it would just be a crime to do Highlander Romances and not talk about all things James Malcolm Alexander Frazier. So Mm, my husband. Yeah. My husband talk, talk about a boyfriend that sets the bar way too high. I literally on TikTok, all I do is send summer videos of scenes from Outlander. Like <laughs> I think the last three videos I've sent her, I don't know if you've seen them yet, are all from Outlander because they're just like, I can't get over them. I'm getting flustered. I'm just getting flustered. <laughs> Summer's right. I have not picked my book for next week yet. But we'll definitely post in our Facebook group when we know what books we're reading. So if you want to read along. And speaking of our Facebook group, we are doing an awesome giveaway, which I am so stoked for. There's going to be three different winners. We're doing Kindle, KU or Audible subscription and signed paperbacks. And if you have a Kindle, you can still enter because if you have a Kindle and you win the Kindle, you can get a Kindle Unlimited subscription instead. If you had a Kindle Unlimited subscription, you can get an Audible subscription instead. We can make your dreams come true if you enter. <laughs> There's also another prize somewhere. Oh yeah, signed books. So the last prize will be you get to pick an author of your choosing and we will buy you a signed book from them if they offer those on their website. And all you have to do to enter is review this podcast on wherever you listen to your podcasts and share a screenshot of it in our group. All the links are going to be down below. It's the HEA Book Club with Summer O'Toole on Facebook. Hopefully it's not too scathing, but we can take it either way. We're open to feedback. So we'll definitely be sharing in the group what our next reads are going to be and past that we're going to be reading highest bitter collection by willow winters and i think lauren landish as well super excited for that it's a i think four book series we're also going to be having xavier mates and we're going to be talking to 
Elizabeth Stevens, which is that sci-fi alien romance we talked about in episode two. We're going to be reading more of the books. Oof, they're good. That one um, set summer on fire. <laughs> so good. You guys, she is a tomato right now. On fire. It's I the lighting. Her. No, no, no. You are a tomato. I know. <laughs> um. Yeah, and then we're also going to be doing smutty novellas. So we have a lot of really fun stuff. If you want to follow along, please join the Facebook group. We're both going to be in there hanging out, chatting, so you can get your spicy fix in between episodes. And with that in mind, guys, we will see you in the next. Toodles! Toodles! Stay spicy! Before you go, remember in the beginning of this episode when we said that we are going to give you all the details on how to enter our amazing giveaway, where we're going to be giving prizes to three different winners. Some of the prizes include a Kindle, Kindle Noted subscription, Audible subscription, signed paperbacks. We are so excited. And all you have to do is leave a review for this podcast on wherever you listen to your podcasts. Then join our Facebook group, the HA Book Club with Summer O'Toole on Facebook. You can find the links down below in the show notes and just post a screenshot of your review hopefully it's not too scathing and you'll be entered into the drawing for this awesome giveaway also like i highlight a lot of things that aren't just for this podcast like i highlight things if they're like a good description of you run out of synonyms for a vagina (laughs) let me just say that you hit me up for certain uh, <laughs> analogies before i know i'm sweating and out of excitement that will that should also be written into my next book just kidding it shouldn't i don't know if, i don't think that's very sexy um sorry <laughs> I, didn't mean like that. I just meant like <laughs> more it's more comedic okay okay i'm just digging myself a deeper hole Okay, I'm going to pull you out of the mud.